beautiful okay and the world is beautiful sometimes is it is it well anyway the, the world the world is a complicated place yes hello hi welcome to a complicated podcast is it Sam it's pretty, maggie hakeley it's pretty straightforward it, it's, well it's complicated because we don't always hate it that's and that's true. why we are doing this um rewatch together yes. We are on the 16th episode of the series. Yep. Uh, Home yep. is the title. It is. And, and let me yeah. tell you, this one's not great. No. Well, so let me give us some information just so you know, start us off. Um, it originally aired April 27th, 2010 uh, with 12.18 million viewers, which is down from last week, which had 12.98 million viewers. So we're down by, you know, eight... 0.8 million viewers um so uh still pretty high considering that most of the first season we didn't break 10 million viewers an episode but uh yeah it's maggie do you want to do you want to tell us who directed this episode uh this episode was directed by paris barclay um who hasn't directed a lot of um episodes but it was written by brad falchuk which is one of the main three um core members of the um of the glee Trifecta. uh yeah the glee showrunners you could say um yes cuz that is literally which, their job <laughs> you could say that about yeah, them uh Brad Falchuk Ian what's his tits <laughs> and Ryan <laughs> Murphy yes um, my favorite is definitely Ian what's his tits Mm-hmm. Uh, the critical response, because I, I decided to look up the critical response for this episode, because it is sort of Not bizarre. Good. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it received mixed reviews. What? Um, You're kidding me. So, uh, somebody, <laughs> The dude from the Los Angeles Times said this was the most emotional episode so far. His favorite next to Wheels. Wow. Um, he has bad taste. <laughs> oh, we liked Wheels well enough. Yeah, that's true. Well, except um, that Entertainment <sighs> Entertainment Weekly said that Chenoweth's performance was Emmy worthy. Okay, I will uh, give them so that. So did the Los Angeles Times. Yes, yeah, that's okay. Well, let's let's summarize this episode. Go through all, pick through all these little gritty details, um, and then we can kind of you know let let people know how we feel about it, which I already started to a little bit, but. We'll see if I mean, it lines and then, up. And then the the Boston Herald oh, also sure. said that it was the strongest episode to date. But let me say some um some of the bad stuff. Okay. Um, MTV said that it was uh, better suited for internet surfing than actually paying attention. <laughs> Ouch. Um, she criticized the songs as not being recognizable to younger viewers, which is very true. Like yep. we had to fucking look up what these songs were from. Yep. And I mean, this show should be geared toward us. We should be able to recognize this music. Sure. Um. The AV Club gave the episode a three. Out um, of... He said out of uh, no, a, a C. Did I say oh, a three? You said three. I meant yeah. a... Fuck. <laughs> I, 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 Good start. He grade, he graded the episode a C, an okay. average, I suppose. Yeah. Um, saying that the plots were poorly balanced uh, po- and, quote, powerful moments that drown as they were nearly sub- 
uh, subsumed by everything else going on. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Um, so criticize that Mercedes storyline is too abrupt. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about yeah. it. And in the future, maybe we should do reviews at the end. <laughs> maybe. I mean, no, I know. Whatever. It's, it's the Houston a good... Chronicle said that this is the weakest ep- episode of the series so far. Yes. So, I mean, we've got so, exactly mi- a lot of mixed reviews. Yeah. It's uh, spicy. But it's a spicy meatball. I, I would say that me and Sam review this as confusing. Let's get fucking into it. Yes. Recap. Yeah. So our recap is focusing entirely on Kurt and April Rhodes. So, which is strange. Uh, kind of out of left field there. You don't really expect that. No. Yeah. So if you'll recall, April Rhodes, we met her uh, near the first half of season one uh, in an episode called "The Roads Not Taken," which used the same way that her last name is spelled which is not how like you know the poets and stuff use it um but anyway so that's kristen chenoweth's character and um she uh the indomitable chris chenoweth kristen chenoweth she does a great job she sings beautifully in this episode yes let's get into the ep let's do it so we start out with sue uh in her office as per usual uh talking with kurt and mercedes and uh she's discussing with the pair of them uh, what it's like to be in the Cheerios and what they are wearing. She's yes. criticizing Mercedes on um the on the uniform that she's chosen, which is instead of the um the Cheerios skirts, Mercedes has opted for pants. Yes, uh, but she's still wearing like the tank top. Well, um, yeah. So it's I mean both she and Kurt are top. wearing this same. Well, no, I guess Kurt's does have sleeves, doesn't it? It does. It's the boy yeah. one. Yeah. So the yeah. boy one has sleeves and it has long pants instead of having a skirt. And Mercedes has opted for these same long pants, but you're right, like with the tank top type top. And um, um, Sue says, oh, I thought this was an homage to me, so I was letting it pass. And then I realized that that is not the case. Mercedes explains her choice by saying that her, um, like she just doesn't feel comfortable in those skirts because she doesn't like showing that much skin. Yeah. Um, not that she's uncomfortable with her body, but that she's uncomfortable with like being that exposed. Revealing, yeah. Um, Which makes yeah. sense because, like, yeah. I mean, she just has more leg than like a lot of the Cheerios do. So, like a Mercedes and Brittany, not a Mercedes, a Santana and Brittany, like when they wear those, it's not. It's not. It's well. Just, they don't have. I mean, their legs are real skinny. And yeah. T- I mean, tiny. I don't. I don't think that has anything really to do with it. I think part of it is just that, like you know, we all have varying levels of comfort with the amount of clothes we wear, yeah. and like, it, I don't think it's necessarily like. And we'll see in this episode. It does seem to tie in a little bit with Mercedes' weight, as we see throughout this yeah. episode. But it is one of those things. I where, mean, the thing. Yeah. The thing for me is that I don't understand why the show i mean it sort of feels like the show is uncomfortable putting her in those clothes because there's a whole plot line about how she is a character likes her body but is uncomfortable with the outfit yeah and right so it's it just sort of feels like they're like the show feel is uncomfortable with showing bodies that look different yeah and i think part of it too is also that it's uncomfortable with the idea that someone isn't wearing their gender appropriate outfit which i did air quotes but sue refers to that in a minute that's that's Um, how that's how sue um describe like tell she tells mercedes that she needs to lose weight and be in a gender appropriate outfit yes both 
upsetting things to tell someone. Yes. Well, it's mostly because we find out that they're going to do a performance. The Cheerios are going to do a performance, um, and there's going to be a guest from a magazine who will who is going. Apparently, this Splits. magazine is featuring Sue as Splits uh, Magazine. Yes. Uh, the, she is the top uh, cheerleading coach of the past two thousand years. Yes. Um. But so, yeah, so she tells Mercedes that she has to lose 20 pounds and be wearing a gender appropriate outfit for that performance. Um, yeah, it's not great. Uh, both Kurt and Mercedes look pretty heartbroken at the end of this scene, mostly because and we know like so the reason that they're on the Cheerios we learned last episode is because they knew that this was a way for them to get more opportunities. Um, yeah. And to sing. Yeah. And perform. And so now that, because uh, Sue is kind of coming down on them really hard, she also tells Kurt that he should lose weight too, but we don't really get much on that because Kurt has a different plot line this episode. Yeah, um, she calls her, she tells him that his uh, hips are pear-shaped. Yes. It's like, come on, Sue. Well, I mean, that's pretty typical Sue, though. I suppose. But so, yeah, so we also established that the Sue we're getting this episode is probably going to be the not great one because... The evil one. Yes. The, the cartoonishly villainy. Yes. So this one. then we get the title card. Um, yes. And we move on to the teacher's lounge uh, where Sue is confronting Will. No, no, no. Will is confronting Sue. Sorry, yes. I had that mixed up. But Will's confronting <laughs> Sue because Sue claimed the auditorium for the week because she has like yes. a sign up sheet that she didn't tell him about. So, um, well, well, Will is, uh, he brings, he brings this sign up sheet with him, right? Or does he, act, is he just upset? No, he's, there's a lock. The... There's a lock on the auditorium. Oh, it's locked. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, why is the auditorium locked? And Sue's like, oh, well, did you sign up for it? Blah, blah, blah. She's setting it aside for her Cheerios to practice inside yes. for the splits interview. Uh, and Will's upset. Yep. Whatever. And then it cuts. He, he, yeah. He, he realizes that they're going to need another place to practice. Yes. And so it cuts to him telling the Glee Club this. And we start getting... I didn't start writing it down before this, but I think this is pretty accurate. We start getting Finn's catchphrase, which is, that's garbage. That's <laughs> a phrase garbage. that he says a lot. Which is, that's garbage or something like that. But not like with that's that much garbage. flavor. garbage. And then he because, throws a chair. Yeah. Um, that's kind of Finn's go-to move. Yes. Um, and uh, I did note that well, kicking a chair. So they're talking about the fact that they're going to need to find somewhere else to practice. Um, there's yes. a moment where there's some like terrorist fist bumps with uh, Finn and the other dudes in Glee Club. I don't remember why they did it. I just made a note of it. Um, yeah, they're just. Um, I'm not sure what the other part of this, uh, what the plot line they're discussing is, because there's the body image issue one. Right. Then there's the needing a place to practice one. And then there's a third one that isn't the one about Kurt and Finn and Bert and Carol. No, that is the third one. Is that the third one? Yeah. There's not another one? I don't think so. All right. Well, so, yeah. So, um, in order to set up... You'll remember this episode is titled Home. So, in order to set it up is. our big word on the whiteboard, uh, Will tells us it's time to find a new home. Ugh. I mean, the thing about, like, we've... Man... It's just like, it's like they always want to look right at the fucking camera every time they say the title of the episode. <laughs> like, they want to just give you a big wink. Like, yeah. we need to find a new home, wink. I mean, to we be honest. We said the thing. To be honest, if they did that, I think I would like it more. 
because it'd yeah. be funny. It's like it's <laughs> like a campy like oh we we know this is a joke at this point, but like they're trying it comes off as them trying to do it seriously where they're like it does i think that's part of that's a big problem with this episode is that it takes itself extremely seriously yeah um so let's get into it yeah uh to try to find a place to go for the glee club to go will stumbles upon a well cabaret roller rink wait 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 we have a lot in between that actually we do fuck yes. really yeah because so first um at the end of this rehearsal uh kurt's pulls Finn aside and asks him oh, for yes, interior bit. design advice in a weird gay flirty way. Um, and I put that not in like an offensive way to gay people, but more an offensive way to this show's portrayal of gay people. That's true. To, to Kurt as a character specifically. Yeah, because it comes um, off mean, as so predatory. It's gross. Well, I think it's all like, it's also we've been prepped yes. to view this stuff as as like aggressively flirty. Yeah. Even though it see it would be a completely normal interaction to have between two friends. Right. It's really be. I think part of it is that you can really sense how uncomfortable Finn is talking to Kurt any moment. Like he's always uncomfortable when he's talking to Kurt. Right. That's true. So, and, yeah. And so yeah, we. It's just a little moment where Finn or Kurt has some swatches of like fabrics or something. Fabric. And he's yeah, asking Finn, Finn, Finn for like, yeah. Because he's trying to go for like a hunting lodge theme, which is yes. excuse. It, that's his excuse to ask Finn, right? And um, Finn is like, "Oh, well, I live in a closet. It has cowboy wallpaper." Which, and it's like, those are both true things. We yep, have seen it. We have seen it. Um, but yeah, so this will actually come up again. But it's not really like it's just kind of setting the groundwork for this weird interaction. Um, the next scene is and actually we, in the... I mean, we oh. discussed it while we were... Because we watched the episode together when you were in town. Yes. And um, we were dis- we were discussing how, who Kurt is. Because it's sort of... We get a lot of mis- mixed messages, right? Yeah. That, like, sometimes he's, like, extremely relatable. Other times he's super conniving. Other yeah. times we can't, can, we can't, like, examine what his true intentions are we've only gotten the one kurt monologue for a long time right have we gotten another one um i think we had the one we definitely had the one where he was dating mercedes um because he was telling Mm -hmm. us that he's actually in love with finn and then i think there was another one after that where he's still in love with finn like yeah i mean we're still not over this yeah the the cheerios are like cheating on their spanish test right Right. in front of them exactly and he's like yeah. leaning on the desk in the very sensual way. Yeah. Just um, staring at Finn. But we have a really common theme across all those, which is that he is in love with Finn. Like, <laughs> even though it doesn't make any fucking sense because no. it's not like Finn's attractive and he's so aggressively straight. Yes. That there's no reason to be into him. Maybe that's part of it. Like, and we're going to get into this, obviously, because it is, if you haven't guessed yet, one of the plots of this episode. But, um,. Maybe that's part of it. It's just that, like, because Finn is so straight, it, like, is more attractive. I mean, Kurt does seem like sort of the kind... He seems like the kind of person that would want to conquer yeah. someone. Exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Convert someone. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, like I said, we'll get into this a little bit more. Um, in the meantime, let's cut to our other plot uh, in the cafeteria where... Ah, yes. Yes. It is Kurt and Mercedes. They're getting some food. Yes, from as one the, does. Uh, from the cafeteria line. Uh, Kurt has peeled celery. Yes. Merce- Mercedes has 
um, a very modest meal of like half a chicken breast, a piece of broccoli, a piece of cauliflower, and a single slice of carrot. Yes. Uh, and then a salad, yes. which has too much dressing on it to really be healthy, but you right, know. <laughs> yeah. Well, so Kurt tells us Kurt is surprised by Mercedes' large meal because they're trying to lose weight, um, and then we see that he has peeled celery, and he tells us he had Splenda for breakfast. Um, and then uh, Santana and Brittany come over to talk to Mercedes. Uh, because yep. she's kind of trying to figure out if she wants to eat this food or not. And, and Mercedes asks them, oh, how do you two stay so thin? They respond with, uh, the, they respond by telling her that they're taking Sue's master cleanse. Yes. Sue Sylvester's master cleanse, which is uh, water, cayenne pepper, lemon for acid, uh, maple syrup. Yes. I think. Yes, definitely. And there's one more thing, right? Sand? No, no. Brittany adds sand no, to hers. No, Brittany adds sand. But I, th- I think it's cayenne pepper, lemon, and maple syrup. I think there's something in it that's supposed to make you throw up, to be quite honest. Ipecac. Yeah. I think there's Ipecac in it. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Because uh, we get a flash of Sue making that at her desk. She says that she's never she hasn't eaten a solid meal since 1987, I think, Yeah, is what she says. Yep. Uh, and, uh, then we flash back to Brittany and Santana. Brittany says, oh, sometimes I like to add sand to it. Yes. And Mercedes, Mercedes like looks at them and says something along the lines of, oh, that's bad. I don't really want to do that. That sounds horrible. Yeah. And Santana says, well, you can either feel bad all the time and look great or, uh, feel good and look bad. And we choose to look great. Yeah. Um yeah, so Mercedes after after this Mercedes leaves her tray, her lunch tray um on the like bar kind of thing and leaves it so she doesn't eat lunch. Um and we see yeah, Quinn looks like she's is abstaining. Quinn is uh kind of sneak it like sneaking around and sees her do this and looks concerned about the fact that Mercedes yep. didn't eat any lunch today. Um And uh Quinn's Quinn's getting pretty pretty pregnant looking. Yeah, yeah, she's starting to bulk up a little way. bit. Yeah. Bulk um, up. That's a weird way to phrase it. <laughs> I, I was going to say like more rotund, but I don't know if that's a chill thing to say. I about feel like that's offensive person. too. I don't know if there's some. She's, she's, she's getting. She's looking extremely pregnant. She's looking more hashtag blessed. Yikes. <laughs> no. Um. So then the next scene uh, is Miss Hudson. So that's uh, Finn's mom. Uh, yep. She is selling. Her name is Carol. Sam. Yes. Sam didn't want to write down the name. She, he didn't know the name. Uh, I had to tell him it's Carol Hudson. Well, I, I mostly refer to her as mom for this episode because I just, I love her so much. I feel connected to she's, her. Um, she's the best. Yes. So she's selling the furniture, um, in her house because, uh, she, I don't, we don't know why to be quite honest, but people are pulling the furniture out. She's selling her bed. Um, Finn gets upset about the fact she's selling all this furniture and he's like, I was conceived in that bed. And she says, Oh, come on. You were conceived on a pinball machine. Um, yep. <laughs> Uh, and she looks markedly different. She's got a new haircut. Uh, she's wearing she's a new wearing outfit, diff- not yeah, denim. Yeah, she's not wearing her um her denim on denim look, which honestly is very on trend for 2017. She is 
groundbreaking. Yeah. Anywho, uh, Finn's upset with all this uh, selling of uh, furniture items. And then we get to a chair that is sitting in their living room. Somebody comes up and tries to uh, buy it. Finn throws a fit, really. He's like, yeah. no, no, no. You he cannot buy this chair. Yeah. Get out of my house. Um, because the only picture of him and his dad together are in that chair. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So to that. Uh, um, yeah. So then uh, Finn is like, mom, why are you acting so weird? And she reveals to us that she's dating Kurt's father. So well, she, no, she does. She say that it's Kurt's dad or that yes. she's just dating someone. No, she says she's dating Kurt's dad because oh, okay. that that is what is going to cause the next scene we see with Finn. Um, yeah, he, she's uh, yeah. she's dating Kurt's dad. They met at a parent teacher conference. Well, we don't know that yet. That's not. That's in the later scene that we get the full details about that. God damn it. Your notes seem pretty bad for this episode. <laughs> well, they are. Sorry. That's okay. No, to end this scene, Finn looks upset and constipated like he normally does. Um, that is sort of his go-to move. Yep. And um, so... Do, they, don't, um, do, they don't bring out the urn in no, this scene, No, not yet. Right? Nope. Nope. That's <laughs> a later yet. scene. <laughs> don't worry. We're going to get to all of that. Um, but the next scene, we're moving back to the third plot that nobody gives a shit about um it's the roller oh. rink it's the cabaret roller rink that you brought up already um yes will is trying to find a place for the new directions to practice so he i said new directions by the way new, directions. new directions but new directions yeah uh and uh he's gone to this cabaret roller rink and he sees singing in the center of the rink why it's april Rhodes. Yep. she's talking about how it's a couple skate uh and he goes up to her well tries to uh yeah, there's what? a with the couple skate. I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was fun. Um, April does have a little line where she's like, "Grab your man, grab your lady, grab your other man if that's your if that's the way the good Lord made you," which is nice. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, and as soon as, when uh, April Rhodes see, sees Will, she's like, "Will Schuster, I just had a sex dream about you." <laughs> um, and then they sing uh, Bruce Springsteen's "Fire." Yes. Um, and it starts out pretty. It, it pretty it starts out pretty light um, because April's getting into it, of course, because that's what she does. Will is hesitant to start kind of, you know, doing his shitty showboating thing. And then he just does it. He gets well, really as into as, it. As soon as um, the like his part comes in, yes. he just can't fucking help himself. And he really milks it for all it's worth. Yes. And so they're like dancing around this little like center platform for a bit. And then it shows them skating like with the couples. Yeah. <laughs> They just they just flash back. They like like there's no break in the song or anything. No. They're just suddenly skating, which is fine, whatever. Um, and they re- they are um you know making eyes at each other and stuff. Christian Chenoweth is adorable. It's of course, true. Um, she sings beautifully. And uh, at the end of this song, they talk about how of course the Glee Club can come to the roller rink, uh, and practice there. Yeah, and because she t- yeah. she tells Will what she's uh, doing with her life. She was able to stay sober for forty five minutes, um, or less than that. She was too excited about yeah, being in, sober in order to and celebrate her life. Yeah, in order to celebrate being sober, she went to a bar. She went to a bar and she stayed in that bar for a couple months until she met her um her sugar daddy it's a dude who owns a bunch of strip malls when she brings up the name will knows who this guy is so yeah. 
Apparently, he's kind of a big deal in Lima. But neither and, of us wrote uh, it down, I don't think, so. No, it's not important. <laughs> no. Anyway, this dude, is he's old and he owns a bunch of strip malls, and he's uh, funding this uh, roller rink excursion. Also worth noting, he's married, so she is he his is. mistress. Well, of course he is. Yeah, yeah but, whatever. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so April technically kind of owns the place, so she has the ability to let Will practice she, there. She describes... Well, she describes herself as an owner-operator. Right. So we think, like, there's no, ex- like, they don't really describe how she's got this roller rink. Um, yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah. whatever. It's fine. Next well, scene. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Will talks about how he has to go, but he's putting his house on the market because he's getting divorced. She's excited to hear that he's getting divorced. Yes, she's excited about it, and she also offers to rent his place. Um, so she's going to check out his place at some point and he watches her walk away because he likes her butt, which is gross. Um, next hey, scene. Dude, it's, um, it's it, Christian Chenoweth. It's think, fine. If, if except for the fact that it's Will. You, I feel like you got to look at her butt at least once. <sighs> I mean, it's just great because literally you can watch his eyes like track down to her butt and then back up, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, but anyway, let's move on to the next scene. Um, we're back Nuts. with Mercedes. It is the weight check uh, and in Sue's office. So um, it's uh, really awful to put people on a scale and weigh them in any sort of school activity. That's not good. Let's not do that. But it's happening. Uh, I mean, it's to be in. honest, I feel like things like this happen for sports. Like for wrestling, you have to know your weight. And I think for like certain well, like... Sports for, programs, you would need to well, know your weight for wrestling, too. For wrestling, you have to know your weight because it determines your weight class and who you wrestle. Yeah. You don't need to fucking know your weight class for cheerleading. I guess that's true. No, it's not it's great. It's gross. But the, the, first, the first person we see getting weighed is Becky. Um, you'll remember she's the, uh, she's the last with uh, Down syndrome. And yep. she lost two pounds. Uh, and Sue makes an eating disorder joke. While making a semi-sweet yep. assimilation comment, because she's saying, "Oh, you're gonna fit like you're you're starting to fit right in. Um, soon you'll be throwing up like the rest of them," which is well, not she great. she just it's more than that. She says that you'll be hiding bags of throw up in like a closet or something yes. like that. Yes, which actually- is like a for real reference to like like severe eating disorder stuff. That's yeah. not a cool thing to do. No. Like, but it is Sue, and so that is where we know all of their, like, really terrible, insensitive <laughs> jokes go. So um, so then so then Becky leaves, and Mercedes uh, gets up on the scale, and she's excited yep. because she hasn't been eating. So she's figuring that she's lost some weight, and we find out that she gained two pounds. And, I mean, fun facts, you can really, like, vary, like, upwards of seven, like, like upwards of five to seven pounds. Yeah. Um, from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep so that sucks that yep. uh just at this moment she was two pounds heavier than she was the last time she got weighed uh but also like um she should be eating it's such a bummer that this, no it's uh, yeah that well, th- like sue has pre- like a teacher has pressured her to not eat yeah that sucks yep it does and so part of this too is mercedes is frustrated by this and sue tells her that the Cheerios mentality is that you do whatever it takes. And so honestly, the problem here is not only is 
Sue kind of like doing this weight check-in and things like that to like pressure Mercedes into not eating. She's also explicitly telling her that in order to do well in this program, you do whatever it takes, which includes like for Mercedes, the idea that she shouldn't eat, which is really bad. Yeah. And here's the like problem I have with this storyline overall is that, well, I think it's an interesting topic to dwell on. And I think it's, like a compelling thing to talk about because there is definitely like um, this uh, pervasive pervasive idea that you need to be thin to be a cheerleader and that like kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Everyone acts around Amber Riley in this episode. Yeah. They don't really give her a lot of meat to chew on. No, that's literally true. Literally or figuratively, you know? Yeah. Um, no, that's really it's true. Like, which is dumb. No, it's Ex- except for except for like that. Uh, la- it's a moment near the end, the Quinn and Mercedes scene that we'll end up getting to. Yes, let's let's wait wish... until then to talk about it. But like, yeah. yeah, like, and we'll we'll bring this up. But so it's one of those things where yeah, we don't really get a lot from Mercedes in this moment because she is visibly upset, obviously, about the fact that she gained two pounds. It's more of a focus though that Sue is screaming at her, not not bullying screaming, her. but bullying her. Yeah. Um, so then we move on to our next scene. We're getting back to our third plot yet again. Um, the hallway scene. We're in the hallway as per usual. Finn confronts Kurt about the fact that their parents are dating. Um, and we find out that their parents met at a parent teacher conference, like Maggie was saying. Yeah, because Kurt introduced them. Kurt goes with his dad to these parent teacher conferences. Um, probably because like Kurt's mom isn't around to go to them. Yeah. Um, and Kurt's dad is, seems like hopeless. I'm not saying he would, yeah, I'm not saying he'd be too nervous to go by himself. Just like he would need Kurt there to take notes or like, know what the fuck is going on. Maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, Um, we've seen, we've seen Kurt's dad do like be on top of stuff before, but it is definitely one of those things where I think Kurt just wants to be involved. And I think for them, it's like a father son kind of thing. Cause they don't really relate on a lot of stuff, but yeah. So we see a scene of him like, stopping his father from eating a cookie <laughs> which is how do you know funny. this isn't organic i can see the thing on the on the cookie dad <laughs> you can see that yeah um but so then uh so kurt introduces him to finn's mom and yes. we find out that he's also been hanging out with carol um to pretty her up and sell her furniture so the line that he uses to introduce the two of them is you both have dead spouses. Maybe you could talk about that. Oh my God. I mean, and they really do hit it off. Um, Bert compliments her on, um, her denim. It's yes. very cute. And yes. they're a very cute couple. Uh, every time that they're on screen, it's really, it just brings a smile to my face. Look at how cute they are. Mostly because they're the best parents ever. Yeah, it's true. No. And like, they're both really good parents. And anyway, so, um, then we have to ask, now we have to talk about what is Kurt's end game with this? Because yeah. it comes off, so we find out, so it, it looks like Kurt, you know, intentionally set him up, set them up, um, and we find out that Kurt is now planning for the time when their families merge and they move in together and... Yeah. He has he and Finn will share a room, so they're going to be roommates in this idealistic future where their parents get married. Yes, they're and, going to be living in because Kurt lives in the basement. Yes, and they'll both be living there. Yes, and that was why he was redecorating um, and asking yes. for Finn's opinion on the like 
hunting couture or whatever. Um, so we have to wonder. I mean, they are definitely these two characters are definitely very well suited for each other, Bert and Carol. Yes, because they have dead spouses. They hit it off right away, so they definitely like have things in common and stuff to talk about. Yeah, and they like each other. So maybe Kurt's intention was just noticing that, like, oh, these two no. people no. definitely like each other. No, but maybe it was Kurt also being like, "This is a way to get close to Finn. This, this is a way to get close to Finn." At least it, she's not a bad person for me to set my dad up with. Right. Yeah. It's it's a convenient side effect that his dad and Kurt's mo- or and Finn's mom will both you know finally have someone to share their lives with after you know years of not having anyone. Um, yeah. I no, mean, it's, it's kind of a bummer that um, that the only outwardly gay character on the show right now is portrayed as like extremely selfish and conniving and predatory yes no i agree well and here's the thing like we haven't gotten to it yet there's a scene coming up which i think really underlays the fact that he is doing this specifically to get close to finn um but i i I agree that right now it's a little excuse me a little less clear because you know it could just be you know he loves his dad and he knew that finn's mom was single and he wants his dad to be happy um, also, I don't know. It's not like he's made any direct um, flirtations with Finn. It's not like he's... I mean, he did have the, the all those lines about, like, all, all your problems in your life are from women. Yes. Maybe, maybe well, get all the women out of your life. Okay. Um, we, we talked about this during the episode, and it's going to come up again also. But, like, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. What's the end... Like, the end goal is rooming with Finn. And he knows Finn yeah. is straight, so either this end goal is, oh, maybe I can turn him, at which point he'll be your stepbrother, which is weird, or, like, we'll be friends. But we haven't seen anything that convinces me that, like, Finn has a personality that you can be friends with, you know? Yeah. It's <laughs> not like they have anything in common. No. They have fucking nothing in well, common. Well, Glee Club. Glee Club. <laughs> which Finn is begrudgingly there all the time. And uh, can't sing, and Kurt can, and Finn ends up taking all the solos anyway because he's the masculine jock. I guess they sort of have Rachel in common. I guess sort of. <laughs> because, like, Finn is... Is Finn dating Rachel at this point? No. No. Because She's dating Jesse. Yeah, Jesse's, he's at the school. Jesse's here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, they both have a weird connection with Rachel because Kurt hates Rachel and Finn loves Rachel, so there is that. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, uh, we'll, we'll come back around to this because I mean, I think I think yeah. it's got to be just like he is. He wants to be closer to Finn, yeah. and he doesn't really have a real idea of what that would look like. I guess. Um, except if he convinces him to move in. Well, and not convinces him, forces him. Like, him, basically. Um, but so Knives. yeah so we we at this scene though there is one moment um where uh kurt talks about how it, finn gets very upset with kurt about this because honestly oh, he gets extremely upset yeah. basically every single time that kurt's ta- kurt talks to him in this episode yes which well finn's just gets upset a lot i think it's partly because he's um he's dealing with like getting like watching his mom get over his dad's death in a like a real um tangible way yeah. and he doesn't know how to deal with that um and also there's but, some homophobia about the fact that he oh, thinks oh, kurt is trying yes. to 
nail him. Massive homophobia. That's sort of Finn's go-to thing, is being really homophobic all the time. Except everybody... Like, the thing is, is that here's what happens every fucking time that we deal with, like, an issue of Finn not being... um, not being understanding or nice to somebody or being like prejudiced is everybody around him is like, Hey Finn, stop being such an asshole. And then it takes him until the very end of the episode for him to be like, Oh, I was an asshole, but now I'm, because I'm a leader, I am lorded above everybody else for finally doing the right thing. Even though it took me like a fucking week longer than all the other characters. Well, I mean, to be just fair, like Will, I was going to say, it's just like Will. Because, you know, they're made for each other. Oh. <sighs> so, yeah, so uh, I just had a note about how he mispronounces Chase um, after Kurt does. Which is but, one of those fancy fainting couches. Yes. Um, and we talked about how, uh, why would Finn say that wrong? And we discussed how Cory Monteith would be reading the script. Yes. He'd be like, oh, Finn wouldn't know how to say that. I should say that wrong. Exactly. Even though Kurt fucking just said it. <laughs> Yes. Um, anyway, so the next scene is a rehearsal back in our familiar rehearsal room. Uh, Will right. announces the roller rink rehearsal, and uh, people yeah. are people are into it. Yeah, um, and then Kurt takes over because uh, well, so he's, Will he's is like Will's... Mr. Shoe. May I? Yeah, <laughs> it's so we've seen this before. I think it's mostly Rachel who does this, but. Shu is giving some kind of like speech or talk or whatever. And then Rachel, in this case, Kurt, just kind of raises his hand and goes, excuse me. And then just gets up and stands in front of Shu to address the rest of the glee See, club. See, Sam, you act, you act like this is a bad thing. No. I don't think there's anything wrong with like the kids recognizing that Will is a fucking mess and shouldn't be talking, talking for like longer than five minutes at a time. If yeah. he does, he'll start talking about the definition of home. That's true. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, well, like, so get him out of here. It's just funny because Kurt, sorry, Kurt directly like when he's making his little speech on top of whatever she was going to say, he, he's, he notifies, he notices, specifies that there is a Mm -hmm. Darth of direction or dearth of direction. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) Fucking saying that right in front of will. Yes. Yes. I'm here for that. Call him out. Um, and then he kind of turns into like a weird therapy session where he talks about how, yeah, like he, he talks to the glee club about the, like, he's like, Oh, you know, people don't like Rachel and something else. And Finn is upset that our parents are getting together. And it's like, why are you saying <laughs> like, what? Well, okay. we Yeah. When we were watching this, we were like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, not even, not even like, why is Kurt talking more of what is he saying and why? Like, this doesn't yeah. make any sense. It doesn't. And he sings, A House is Not a Home. Yes. Which, um, it, don't worry if you, it, don't like feel bad if you don't know what that is. Nobody does. Yes. It's by Diane Warwick. <laughs> it's, to be fair, to be fair, it's a very good song. It's just one nobody's ever heard of. Um, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's by Burt Bacharach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which it's not the this is not the only Burke Bacharach song that we'll listen to tonight. Yeah, so um so he sings A House Is Not a Home. He sings it directly at Finn, which is weird. Yep. 
Um, and there's a lot oh, of con- and like oh. cries during it. Yeah. What? Well, so so there's a lot of confused like in the Glee Club people looking at each other. Um, and Britanna holds pinkies during the song, which is cute. Um, oh, it is very cute. But yeah, so uh, Finn joins in to sing this like song, but he's singing it to the chair that we saw earlier in the episode, and it has an urn yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah, a fucking urn is sitting in the sitting in that uh, brown lazy boy. Yes. Um, and Finn is just in his uh, usual mode, screaming at scream singing at something. Yes. Um, kind of a weird move there, dude. Um, yep. uh, we I get see... that maybe. Oh yeah, I go mean for maybe it. this is his uh, his way of coping or whatever. But also, your dad's been dead for your entire life. Also, it's one of those things where um, this has to be not or diegetic, right? Because in the past, when he sung at something, it was diegetic. His mom yeah, caught him real. singing to it the sonogram. So I'm guessing this is also actually so happening. He set up that urn so that he could sing to it. Yes. <laughs> Which well, he's yeah, he's Ugh. figured it, it's worked before. Um, yeah, to make him feel better. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, we see Will kind of staring off into space during the song. Yeah, Literally. tearing up about his own life. Yep. Um, and then Kurt uh, cries about his shitty crush on a straight boy. Um, he also like like gestures right at Finn. Like there's there's parts where he's like he's like he's singing this song to Finn. Yes, he's crying. He's lifting his hand towards Finn. It is uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable because the the whole purpose of this song, like if you look at the lyrics of the song, it's talking about how. A house is not a home without you in it with me. Yeah. And it's like a love song. So, yeah. again, more fuel for that fire. It's too much. It's yeah. too much, Kurt. Stop yeah. it. Um. So then that scene kind of just ends, I think. We just have a commercial break. Um. And we get to April arriving at Will's apartment. She is carrying an overnight bag. Will is like, why the fuck do you have this bag? And she says, well, you need an overnight bag if you're staying overnight, uh, which is news to Will. She's like, no, I'll be sleeping here. Uh, I need to get the vibe of the house, understand it's ghosts. Yes. So which... Sam, do you want to discuss ghosts? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that's what this episode is all about, right? Like, this is the ghost episode because it's mm-hmm. appropriate thematically sure. and also for the time of year that we're releasing our episode thanks ryan murphy how is, it, how is it how is it the ghost episode they do say ghost during this scene and then i think they say ghost one more time during the episode well i mean we're we're talking about kurt's dad who, or mm-hmm. no not kurt's dad finn's dad who is dead finn's dad so dead. that's yes, a kind a, of ghost. ghost um and also kurt's mom a little bit another ghost another ghost uh, and also there's a part where Mercedes sees people as food. She wants to eat them. That's kind of ghostly, I feel. A little bit, maybe. There is, there is a mention of ghosts near the end of the episode, though. Yes. Uh, But I can't remember what it is. I didn't make a note of it. I just remember it happening. Yeah, maybe I have it. We'll find out when we get closer to the end. Anywho, so yes. um, she's staying in Will's apartment for the evening. And then we have a weird moment where she puts on a CD. She's like, you know what? 
sometimes you just need a little Bert, as in Bert Bacharach. Yes. Uh, this is another Bert Bacharach song. It's one less bell to answer. Yes. Um, which is another fucking. It's from 1970. Like what the fuck, Lee? Whatever. Well, They're just so trying to find some home. Yeah. Uh, themed songs. Some I homely, guess. homely music, Maggie. They messed uh, up. They they didn't realize it was homely, not home. Homish. Yeah. So we also find out April's been feeling lonely because she's yes. a mistress. So that's one of the other reasons she wants to stay the night at Will's place. Um, but yeah. So she sings. She and Will both sing "One Less Bell to Answer" along with the CD. Um, it looks like. So we we talked about this while we we're watching the episode. Um, it looks like they are singing in real life. Like it seems yeah. like the two of them just cannot handle the idea of music being played without singing along <laughs> to it. Because and it's, it's fun to imagine how um, Will must have heard this sort of like muffled Bird Bacharach song being played on the other side of his closed bedroom door. And it was just like, you know, I got to fucking sing to this. Well, and... and and they also split it up into like perfect they parts. Do. So like, hmm. Hmm. I call uh, foul on that. But anyway, yeah. This, the, what happens during, like, the blocking during the song, it's a little strange. Kurt does tuck April, will? April in. Um, yeah. She, no, okay. Okay. Let's let's walk step by step and let's get there. Um, they make up the couch. Yeah. She, um, she's wearing a nightie April's that is wearing, not appropriate for staying I over mean, at someone else's house, first of all. It's a cute nightie, though. It is. But it is, like, very skimpy. Um, not appropriate for staying at someone else's house unless you're planning on sleeping with them um exactly which i think was her plan but yeah and then uh we see will holding various pic or holding a picture of terry like just like a random picture it's weird like it's like why did you why is that still here oh maggie there's another ghost terry terry oh well she's dead to us yeah that's um that you've talked about that how terry is a ghost in this show (laughs) Oh, but anyway. anyway. Yeah, so they're singing together. And then, yeah, so they make the couch together with a blanket. And yep, then Will tucks do. her in and kisses her yeah. good night. Like, yeah, April lies down. Will, you know, moves the blanket over her body. Then le- he kisses her forehead when she's lying down. They're bo- Mind you, they're both still singing. Yes. Um, <laughs> this well, is... And Very strange. It, it also the song also morphs from one less bell to answer into a house is not a home after this yeah, kiss. Yeah. Um, well, what ha- Kurt, uh She gets tucked in. Will goes to the other room to uh, sleep in the big boy bed. Yes. And <laughs> April decides to get up off the couch and go sleep in the big boy bed with Will um, because she's too lonely to sleep on the couch. And this is when she sings "The House Is Not" a couple lines from "My House Is Not a Home," and we were like, "Okay, so maybe this is non-diegetic because did she just know that Kurt sang that sang that earlier today? What? Uh, they maybe, are both Burke Bacharach songs, I guess. Maggie, maybe the CD went to the next track. Maybe it skipped to the next track. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, the kiss didn't take. She gets up. She gets into Will's bed. Um, they still sing in bed together while they're lying there and then they end up holding well they're facing they're facing opposite directions and just singing their fucking hearts out yes they're belting it. it's great um but yeah they end up holding hands um and then kind of drifting off to sleep i guess is the assumption they both yes cry themselves to sleep while they hold hands yes 
Um, but so then this now we move on to another scene, which is breadsticks. Um, breadsticks. Are, which, and it is the yeah. Hummel, the Hummels, and the Hudsons. Yes. Uh, so it is. It is. You know, we're we're having kind of weird family date i guess because it is both well, yeah. uh both the parents and kurt and finn um and uh kurt makes a speech while finn sulks talking about yep. how these two families are coming together and blah 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 whatever he's he's really proud of himself for having connived all this together um well kurt kurt's just a very controlling person yes We've t- we talked about this during the episode too that like by his nature he just really wants to be in control of things yes. which he's been able to do because like his dad is sort of a mess about certain things and needs a controlling presence in his life which kurt can be that yeah but it's when true. but in other realms of his life kurt really wants to be controlling there too yeah we see it in the glee club Oh where, yeah, you know where he clashes where with Rachel. Yep, clashes with Rachel or like the thunderclap thing. You remember yep. that? Yep. Where and he uh, yeah. he tried to make his case about n- them not being in the yearbook. You know, Kurt's just a very controlling dude, which is whatever. You know, it's fine. Yeah, and so well, yeah. So in order to kind of um, emphasize that point, Finn ends up. So Bert starts talking to Finn about sports, and Kurt. Yep panics like you can see the look of panic in his eyes when well, this he starts just, happening. he just gets very upset yes um he gets upset with the fact that like bert and finn seem to really be connecting um yeah it's sort of unclear as to why we do hear late we hear later from kurt that it's because um he just wishes that he and his dad had more things to talk about and connect over. Yes. But it's like, bruh, you already know you don't. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. What? So that's, yeah. So we, I, does it cut into a different scene where he's fighting with his dad from Breadsticks? From I think Breadsticks? it must. It might? Well, because I think it does because then, because um, there is a note that I have that Bert asks Kurt, why did you set me up with Oh, Carol? yeah. If, wasn't um, it, it because you want me to be happy? This, like, yeah. Yeah. During this fight, he's like, "Why did you even set me up with Carol?" Yeah. Um, and Kurt gets even more upset. Um, it. Well, we see him taking the paint chips down from his yes. basement bedroom. Yeah. Yep. Um. Uh, seemingly because he's not going to paint anymore or something. Yes. And he's like, "Maybe you and Carol should break up. I don't think we were ready, like, to." Right do this sort of thing or whatever. And I guess it's like, you can interpret this scene as Kurt feeling like he's losing his dad because he's connecting with Finn. Yes. Right. Which would make sense, but it does sort of read because we've been getting all this information about Kurt's true intentions. It does sort of read as why isn't everybody paying attention to me? Kurt, why doesn't Finn like me? Kurt. Right. He's just very selfish in this scene. It is sad yeah, I mean, that he's this selfish. Yeah. Um yeah, it's not great. Um the uh the other part of this is it's just yeah, it's mostly I'm just upset because he makes the comment where he does say he's like, maybe you and Carol shouldn't see each other anymore. And I'm like, Kurt, you're not in charge of your dad's dating life. Guess what? Like well, that's not that's not for you to decide. Um, 
but yeah, he's, I just, I think it, the issue is it does, for me, it came off more so that he was like being super predatory on, yeah. <laughs> on Finn. Not, I like mean, the, like, just, yeah. just trying to like push, um, the sort of romantic agenda. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, we've, I mean, I think part of the reason why we're both upset about it is that it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Why no. would you be into Finn? Yes. And I no. mean, your theory is that uh, one of the, like all the show creators, Brad, Ian, and Ryan, collectively were the, you know, the gay kid at their school interested in the quarterback. Yes. No, right? that's, I mean, that's the only explanation I have for it because Finn has no personality. So I'm guessing that really all it is is that they all identify with Kurt. And they're all like, well, if I was Kurt, I would like the quarterback because when I was in high school, I liked the quarterback. So whatever. Um, Yeah. So then let's move on. Let's move on to the next scene. Um, Archetypes are seriously the poison of this show. Right. Which is such a problem. Yep. Uh, So the next scene, we're back in the cafeteria again. um, It's Mercedes, Artie and Tina are at a table eating. Um, Well, well, Mercedes eating. isn't. Mercedes eating. isn't. Was that? Mercedes isn't eating. Right, um, but the other two are. Uh, Artie and Tina are trying to comfort her about, like, not like she telling her she should eat something. Um, and Artie yep. says, "We like you no matter what you look like," which is not great. <laughs> well, I mean, the intention is there, right? Right, but, but also, like, Mercedes looks good. Yes. Um, so, like, yeah, yeah the, the issue is that that kind of sounds like we like you even though you're fat, like, <laughs> which is which in, not good. It should be good. like, no, Mercedes, you look very good. You don't need to Starve do yourself. anything yeah. about the way you look. Yeah. Um, and then Mercedes starts hallucinating the other people in the cafeteria as food. And when she yes. does this, um, it's Artie not... Is, yeah. Artie is a piece of cake. Yep. What's Tina? Um... Oh, Tina's an ice cream cone, I think. Yeah, and then um, uh, Rachel and Jesse walk by. Rachel's a pink cupcake. Uh, there's a there's a cherry on her head, and Jesse is a hamburger. Yeah. So when you when you think of this, it they're they're in giant food outfits. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's very good. Like a sort of like let's all go to the movies kind of. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Kind of mascot yes. looking. Yes. Let's all go. <laughs> um but yeah so um and then uh mercedes passes out um is yeah yeah and so uh then we see we come back in the nurse's office she Um, wakes up in the nurse's office with um a nurse talking to her about how much she's eaten and stuff like that yes uh and why she fainted yep and um what else what else happens in this scene i think uh apart from quinn i think the nurse says, um, I've called your dad or your mom or something um, in order to have them come get you or something like that. Um, but yeah. then the nurse leaves and Quinn comes in to talk to Mercedes. Um, and she tells her about how she's been there, where yeah. Mercedes is, where it's she, the concern yeah, about her She weight. talks about um, how she's like, oh, did all the kids start looking like food before you passed out? Um, which is such a, such an interesting, eerily prescient, like, you know, like just really good. 
I love it. Uh, and uh, Quinn talks about how her fra- uh, frame of mind around food has massively changed. Because since, she is pregnant. Uh, yes. Yeah, since she is pregnant and eating for two people. Yes. She, um, she thinks about, like, why... Why, if she's so focused on, like, getting enough nourishment for this thing that she's growing, why isn't her body as important? Right. Uh, And, um, yeah, that's what happens. You know. And they talk about food and they they have a moment. Yeah. Mercedes talks about how she, like, this is where Mercedes, Amber Riley, finally gets the chance to, like, act. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, which and, is nice. And Quinn tells her, um, Quinn's like, I think you're beautiful. Which is, you know, what we were saying Artie should have said rather than what he said. Um, but yeah, like, well, it's so a really... Artie, Artie always fucking sticks his foot in his mouth. It's true. I know he can't actually do that. <laughs> That's um, bad. <laughs> good because, Good point. Because he's, yeah. he's... I mean, paralyzed. he probably could. I mean, I can stick I my foot in my mouth, and it's not like I need feeling in my feet to do that. I have to use like my arms to move my leg anyway. Well, don't you need leg muscles? I, I mean, he has—he has muscles in his legs, even if they're not necessarily being they're atrophied. Used. I assume. Yeah. Anyway. Who? <laughs> um, yeah. So it's a, it's a lovely and heartwarming scene. It's actually, a, I I thought it was a really good scene. Um, yeah, and uh, like I said before, it, there's like kind of a real bereftment of mercedes and Am- and like therefore amber riley getting the opportunity to talk to talk about how she feels or mm-hmm. like her reaction to what is going on yeah really it's a lot of people like talking about her body close like around her instead yeah it's um, true but yeah, here it's... we yeah. uh mercedes talks about how she feels ashamed for um, letting pe- letting other people uh, influence how she feels about her body. Yes. Yep. No. And it's it's good. It's it, it is a little um, not. I, I don't want to say upsetting, but like it feels emotional. Where she's yeah, she's you can tell that she is legitimately she because she says something like like I'm so stupid that I let other people's opinions of me change like make me starve myself essentially which is really good it's a very good scene um so let's move on then we move on to another scene what what's this one the roller rink practice um yes here we we have so a little clip yeah there's there's like all the couples are skating together rachel and jesse look very cute yes um and so we we find out that this glee club rehearsal is very not productive um and so uh we so we cut like we don't really see them all that much we really just see will and april talking at the side of the rink um and april invites will on a date and at his house yes. i guess um and well yeah she's yeah. she's like oh i thought we could do this tonight or whatever and will says listen i don't want to make a habit out of us falling asleep in the same bed yeah um yeah it's I don't want to make a habit of us crying ourselves to sleep next to each other. Yeah. Well, and he also... Seems intense. Yeah. It gets... So this is kind of where um, Will and April uh, start talking about... uh, Like, Will starts talking about April. And he's like... He doesn't... I don't... Like, I... I, The issue is my notes are not very helpful for this. My note is, Will tells April her lifestyle is wrong. 
with shame. Um, yeah, he well he he's like, why do you feel good being a mistress? Right. Like he's basically like he uh, he feels like she's selling herself short. He shames her again for her drinking, which. Granted, um, being like an alcoholic can be destructive, but she seems functioning. Whatever. Like, it's not Will's job to tell somebody how to change their life. Yeah, I I had another note that Will seems to have a lot of life experience in relationships and in uh, drug addiction because he (laughs) doles out advice like none other. Um, And shame, mostly. Um, But April tells us that she is going to confront her... uh, what it her her uh her lover yeah i guess um the person that she is the mistress of yeah i was gonna say master but that seems really bad like no because it's not like they're in that sort of relationship no no, but like what what is the what is the male like not i guess not necessarily male but like the powerful counter (laughs) no that's that's a man who has a relationship with a married woman yeah i don't know anyway um, or but just yeah, a so man she's, who is a mistress, a she's, manstress. She's going to confront him and mm-hmm. try to get her life figured out um, because Will yep. doesn't approve of the way that she lives it. So now again, we're back in the hallway uh, with Kurt and Finn. That's their romp for this episode. Um, and Kurt says that their parents being together is a mistake. Yeah. And he wants he wants Finn to help him break them up. Yeah. Finn agrees. Yeah, he's. I believe. Yeah, he does well. So uh, he's perceptive of Kurt's of Kurt's uh, sad sack attitude, um, because Kurt is very upset in this scene, um, and uh, they selfishly decide that they're going to break up their parents. Um, they they decide it's for the best or something, which is stupid. Um, and then the next scene I have titled "Finn's a bad person" because it's him talking to okay. Carol about the relationship. Yep, he's talking to Carol about how he sh- about he um doesn't really approve of the way that she's just writing his father off like he's dead, which yep. is like, "Hey Finn, your dad is dead." Yeah. And has been dead for 16 years. Yeah, well so um, which so, is basically yes. what Carol tells him. Yes. And she's like, "Listen, I can't keep I can't like keep doing this. We're living a broken life. I feel bad." I don't yeah. want to do this anymore. Right. And so then what follows is probably one of the best scenes in television because okay. Carol grabs the urn that we saw Finn singing to earlier and goes and puts it on the chair that puts we it in the chair. Yep. That that we'd seen Finn singing to earlier and then puts it in the chair and then turns on the TV and turns to the ashes and acts as if Finn's dad is there. All while tell it like talking to Finn, and being like, "Is this what you want? Is this is this what you want? This is this is what you wanted, right?" Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very good. Um, yeah, uh, and um, she's like, "Listen, Finn, I've taken that urn to bed with me for the past sixteen years. I tell I tell him about my day. I can't do this anymore. Like I can't keep talking to somebody who is dead." Yeah. Um, and Finn finally listens to his mom. Uh, realizes that he's being selfish. Yeah, and well, I mean, he still tries to make it about him um, and about yeah. how he's not ready to move on and about he how he's not over his dad's death or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But his mom does say, like, she's like, I love you, but this is not your business. Like, this is your... I mean, I had no... 
I love you, but you're an asshole. But like along those lines yeah. of this isn't well, you, you don't I get mean, to make this. Decision. He's a he's a teenage boy, which yep. this in this episode we've really um delved into the idea that teenage boys are selfish. Yes. They are. They are by their nature. Very selfish. Um, but teenage girls are also selfish. Teenagers are selfish. And exactly. it's partly because the world is a horrible place when you're a teenager. Yes. Uh, because you don't have a lot of control over your life. But there's also an insane amount of pressure um, about every single decision that you make. Yes. So you act very selfishly about a lot of stuff. Um, and you treat people really shittily. Yes. And that's bad and All sad. All that's true. Uh, yeah, but so yeah, so essentially, um, we get not much resolution out of this, but we do get, no. uh, we do find, we do see that Finn confronted his mom about the relationship. So, and they, uh, they do co- reach a consensus of like agreeing that they need to move on, right? Because Finn, Finn's like, why don't you just like dump his ashes in the toilet? And yes. Carol is like, okay, I yes, I will do that. Yes. Uh. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, she doesn't say it exactly like that. But essentially, she says, you're being a fucking drama queen. Get over yourself. So I, yeah, well, she, she she's like, yeah, let's flush it. Yeah, she's like, let's go right now. And then, yeah. So anyway, it, but they don't end up doing it. It's, it's essentially we got to that thing. She talks to the ashes in bed. She's tired of being alone. Similar yep. to the way April is tired of being alone. Anyway, oh, weird. Well, it's sort of a sort of a theme. Well, uh, or really, you know, of it, humanity, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the next scene is the pep rally. So you know, remember the Cheerios had their big pep rally where we had the uh, journalists coming from the magazine. Um, we see the journalist. It's his name is Tracy. Um, he's a dude. He is black, and he describes himself as a hard hitting investigative journalist. He played. Um, tracy morgan's fake son in 30 rock there you go that's yeah. what i know that actor from yes um and so uh so sue seems a little put off by this because sue is a racist which we'll come back to in a minute yes um, but uh the performance starts and we see all the cheerios in some kind of triangular standing formation um facing away from the audience and then mm-hmm. they just stand there for a while it's kind of awkward uh sue says uh, so Sue turns to Tracy and says something about how uh, build build it builds the tension for the yes. performance, um, and then Mercedes. Even though, oh, yeah. even though the Sue does seem sort of unsettled. Yes. Um, and about then, uh, what is going on? And then Mercedes interrupts. Well, I said interrupts the performance, but she walks out and she starts singing "I Am Beautiful." Um, and no, it's speci- it's just called it's just called beautiful. It's the Christina oh. Aguilera song. Sorry. Um and she does um she's got a little speech before she gets into the song. Yes. Um which she talks about, oh, how many people at you at this school feel fat and people raise their hands and like all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um and uh, then she starts singing beautiful and yep. all the other Cheerios turn around and sing with her yep. and all this stuff, except for Kurt who is standing with his back facing towards the audience. On my first watch of this episode, I was like, what the fuck is Kurt doing? I don't understand this. Why do we keep getting shots of like Kurt looking upset and not singing and facing with his back towards the audience? Then when we watched it together, you explained it to me. Oh, he feels bad because he encouraged Mercedes to lose weight. Yes. Yeah, because he, he, um, I think it's mostly that he's ashamed of the fact that Mercedes went out there and made this big speech about how she's like, 
hey, like this is for everyone who feels fat and their friends tell them that they shouldn't be fat. And he's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, he's like, oh, geez, I did a bad. Yes. Um, oh, geez, I did a selfish bad. We, we, get a, we get a shot of Will looking triumphant, which is whatever. Um, Mercedes is really good. I was curious as to why the Cheerios had this planned because it doesn't seem like this is yeah. what Sue wanted them to do. No, but I mean, I think it's just that uh, Mercedes uh, um, uh, Mercedes is such a good singer. She empowers all the people around her. To like know the Brittany lyrics. And Santana <laughs> to just, I'm okay, who doesn't know the fucking lyrics to Beautiful? I don't know it's all of them. Do of, you? I would say probably. Uh, if it's on the radio, I could sing the whole thing. Yeah. For sure. Anyway, uh, people from the audience also join them um, while they're singing yeah. this. It's like a big group number. And yeah, all the Glee Club kids go ba- go down and join the Cheerios and they all sing it. And yeah. Yeah. Um, so then the next scene is the interview with Tracy and Sue. It's in Sue's office. Uh, Tracy says that he dislikes Sue because she's a racist. Um, and yes. But he, the performance um, convinced him otherwise because he was intending to write a really big expose on how Sue was a terrible person and how she is a racist and all of this stuff. Um, but the performance was inspiring and wonderful and showed that, you know, the Cheerios aren't all just about weight or looks yeah. or whatever. His, his reasoning for calling Sue a racist is because she called him rerun. Yes. For a while, which it's like, yeah, that's pretty racist. Yeah. And we were we were talking about um uh why Sue seems to bully Mercedes so much. Yeah. In and- this episode. And we we were wondering like this is before we even met this character. We were like, is it because Sue's a little racist? And it we're yeah, pretty sure probably. it is. Yeah. Um but yeah, and uh, Sue runs with this uh, when she's yep. in this interview. Um, she seems a little conflicted about the fact that she's doing this, but she runs with it and says like... She's just like, yes, I am displaying people of different body types and it being accepting. Yeah. I'm doing exactly what you said I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hit or miss. But uh, anyway, the next scene is a Burton Finn scene. So yes. uh, we see... So I think this is in finn's house bird is over um oh it is it's definitely in finn's house bird has come over um uh, finn's like getting something out of his kitchen or something and then bert is there and he's like listen my mom like your mom wanted me to talk to you yeah and bert does this amazing speech yes um because bert's like amazingly like well-spoken yes oh he, um, for sure when he puts his mind to it yeah you know like he yeah. says the right thing yeah well i mean like we had the scene like way back where um kurt didn't get the wicked solo and yep. he went and talked to figgins and that speech was really good excuse me too where he's like every time bert has a big monologue it always is just really good um, but anyway, yep. yeah. So Bert's like, let me say my piece, then you can say your piece. Um, Bert talks about how he loves Carol and says that he'll take care of her. Um, and then Finn backs down after Bert says his piece because it, it looked like Finn was going to be very angry and upset and say something well, selfish yeah, and rude. B- Bert, well, Bert also talks about how he's not trying to replace his like Finn's dad and how Finn's dad's a hero and all this stuff. So right. he does like. I think he's playing into into Finn's hand yes. in just the right way. Yep. Uh, yeah, Finn is like, yeah, okay, I would like to go to a football game with you. May we have a catch and 
like <laughs> please sir maybe have a catch yeah um <laughs> please so, sir be my dad so then they uh they go over to the tv the like, little living room the little living room area with uh the notorious chair and Finn moves the urn. Moves an urn to so let Bert, Bert sit in that chair. In the, in the dad lazy boy, the dad throne. Yes. Um, <laughs> and when Bert sits there, he says, "I hate Duke like I hate the Nazis," which is <laughs> pretty good. Um, so and then Finn's like, "Tell me about it," and they start talking baseball, basketball, basketball basketball um, basketball but, season we already oh, know that fans playing basketball oh my god and then so as they do we pan up and right outside of the window which is oh, right behind this, this chair weird. is kurt looking in on them crying in a very will fashion it's very creepy um well it doesn't make any sense no like when we looked at it we were, when it first happened we were like is this happening? Is Kurt actually there? Is it a metaphor? Honestly, I wouldn't Kurt be surprised if he in? I wouldn't be surprised if he tailed his dad to see where he was going. Like I mean, I feel like I feel like it's more metaphorical than that. I feel like it's just a visual a visual representation of I, I think their current situation. I think it's both metaphorical and literal. I think Kurt mm. is literally there, but also it's a very good representation God, of how he I feels just, locked I out of this not. relationship. <laughs> I just don't want Kurt to be there, you know. I know. Like, I don't. I don't want him to be there, so I want this to be a metaphor. <laughs> I mean, again, it can be both. Anyway, um, then we cut to the next scene. Um, so we find out that April. So it's in the choir room. Uh, we find out that April, April's there. April is there. She got some hush money uh, because yes, her, she her yeah. um, lover has passed. Yes. Uh, when she confronted him, he had a stroke and died. Yes. And uh, she got $2 million of hush money from the widow. Yes. Well done. Yes. Yeah, uh, so, so she's... There, April? No. And I, yeah. like, that might have sounded sarcastic. No. Seriously. Well done, April. Good job. Yeah. Um, she's, uh, she's figured out how to sustain her lifestyle for quite some time. And the, she reveals to the choir, well, the choir, um, the Glee Club already knows um, what she's about to tell Will, which is that she bought the the auditorium. Yes. It is now the April Rhodes Auditorium. Yes. Um, and so she also tells us that she's going to Broadway and maybe sobering up, question mark. Um, but she's going to put on the first all-white performance of The Wiz, which, if you don't know anything about the Wiz, it's an all-black cast version, version of, of The Wizard of Oz. Yes. So, yep. yes. It's awful and, that she's um, saying this. Um, the, in the film adaption, uh, Michael Jackson plays the Scarecrow. It's a good movie. Everybody should watch it. Yeah. Um, Anywho, but- the reason why it seems like that's a throwaway joke, it's not. They're about to sing a song from The Wiz. Yes. Yeah, so um, it cuts. So when she says... Uh, I bought the auditorium for all of you. Um, it cuts to them all singing. She sings Home with all the Glee Club as backup. Um, the song just called Home. And it's from The she Wiz. She wears a beautiful white gown. Yes. Um, and just belts her fucking heart out. Yes. Hot damn. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't really have a lot of notes on this song. It's very no. good. It's Kristen Chenoweth. It's Chenoweth. very good. It's very good. Um, and yep. the... 
Only other thing I have is that during the song, there's a little moment where Quinn and Mercedes share a nice look. Um, so they're friends now. Because they're friends. Yes. And that's um. This is not the last time we'll see their friendship developing. No. Um, it's uh, it's gonna happen throughout the next few episodes. So that's yep. nice. Yeah, but so that's it. That's the whole episode. Do you have any other anything else to say about that last uh, home <sighs> performance? Um, the the last note is killer. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, and we also get the typical ending where Kristen Chenoweth raises both of her arms in a big V. Yep. Um, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> but, uh. Oh, man, Glee. Yep. What are you? So, anyway, so that's the whole episode. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the podcast business. The podcast business. I was thinking about it. I feel like we, like, I should tr- see if I can find that audio of, like, the burning sound because of how they introduce with Rachel's, like, gold star. Oh, the, like, metaphor. the gold star burning. Oh, that'd be so good. I'll have to look into that. But it's a metaphor, and metaphors are important. Gold stars are a metaphor for me being a star. For, so now, uh, my gold star, I'm going to go first this time. Go um, ahead. My gold star, I'm giving it to Carol because she is the Good. best. Yes. No, because she really fucking holds her own. Yes. When uh, when Finn tries to like bully her into continuing to grieve. Yes. Yeah, and that's um, the main reason I I kind of waffled a bit because originally I wanted to do Mercedes, and then I was like, well, she doesn't actually really do anything. So then I said Quinn because yeah. I really like the scene with Mercedes and Quinn. But honestly, I'm landing on Carol it's because I think Carol is, I think Carol has the best, some of the best parts where, especially that scene where she has the urn. I think it's awesome. Like it's so yeah. good that she doesn't let her teenage son bully her. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, maybe uh. Maybe you should split your star between Carol and Bert. Maybe. Um, Bert's also pretty good. I don't know. Bert we'll see. Because Bert, Bert doesn't let Kurt bully him like, either. That's true. Because like, when, when Kurt is like, maybe I shouldn't have set you up, Bert is like, the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go half Carol and half Bert. Um, okay. I'm going to give mine to... Um, uh april Rhodes. oh yes probably okay. yep because i mean she she's got to get one because she sings a lot in the episode and it's all very good uh and it's always nice to have Kristen chenna with around true and i think this is the last episode she does right um i don't remember but i don't remember seeing her again so probably Here, you know what i am going to check because well, i feel I- like this is this is the last april Rhodes up i just i just want to be surprised if she comes back up again though yeah, I do too. No, I I don't. She I think she does end up coming back. Okay. Well, so <sighs> we'll see. Um, in the meantime, my favorite number from the episode. Um, I said home. The last number. Um, I just like the way that Kristen Channel sings it. I think it sounds really good. I mean, yeah. there aren't a lot of great options this time around because I don't like Burt Bacharach. So. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to. Also go with the last one because while um, Mercedes does sing uh, Beautiful. the Christina Aguilera yeah. song well, I've never been a big fan of that song. Uh, yeah, that's because fair. it is overhyped and overplayed in my opinion. Uh, so I'm also gonna choose Home, but I also really liked Fire at the beginning because oh. uh, 
you know, sometimes I sometimes I look like a little Bruce Springsteen. Sure. And I can really respect the art of uh, roller dancing. Okay. So are you picking fire then? Uh, I'm going to split. Okay. I'm going to split my best number for fire and home. Okay. Just playing fast and loose with the rules. I like it. Um, Ho- home fire. So the next bit is the rating. Um, I said I would slushy this episode four out of five times because Ooh. I think it is hot garbage. <laughs> no, it really is. <laughs> like, um, I'm also going to do four out of five. Um, be- Man, this episode is just because it's. It's such a torture to watch. Yeah. Like, you're you're exhausted by the time it's over. Not in the normal, like, roller coaster kind of way. In sort of like a hot damn, why is this happening yeah. kind of way. No, definitely. It's, um, all three of the plot lines are bad. They're not good. Yeah. So. There, it's it's like, like in the um, critique I read at the beginning of the ep, it's poorly balanced. It doesn't like it feels like it should be emotional, but it ends up coming off as like as too much and also too little at the same time. Yeah, it's exactly. Just, it's not good. Yeah, well, like because the all of the drama is manufactured as the teenage angst and upset that their parents are doing things that they have no control over, um, or that the you know that sue is has this weird manda- like mandatory weight thing and yeah and mercedes acts out of character right like we know it doesn't feel like mercedes would be bullied by sue yeah and it not doesn't the mercedes that we yeah. know yeah and it doesn't it like we've talked about kurt's interest in finn makes no sense and the april and will storyline is just weird and doesn't like have any relevance it doesn't matter to the plot it does, yeah it doesn't matter about anything because we don't give a shit about Will. Exactly. And and April Rhodes is just there to fucking sing. Exactly. So just let her sing. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, so we didn't really like this episode, to be quite honest. Um It was bad. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad up. Yep. So Thank God the episode's almost over. Make sure you follow us on our socials so you can tell us how much you hated this episode too. Look for us on Facebook, search um Search Ma- Sam and Maggie Hakley. I was going to say the devil's threesome. And I was That'd like, be wrong. That's that, not correct. That won't get you to the right place. Uh, search uh, Sam and Maggie Hakley on Facebook or go to our Twitter, SNM Hakley. Uh, you can also email us at SNM Hakley at gmail.com. If you have any um, burning questions or want to correct us on something, feel free. Yeah. Um, I think... Yeah, that's maybe maybe you're really into Burke Bacharach and yeah. you cannot stand the way that we have blasphemed him in this app. I mean, yeah, maybe maybe you thought this episode was really good. In which case, yeah, send us an email. I'm not promising we're gonna read it, but you can yeah, send it. I mean, it. if you thought this episode was really good, but like explain to me why. <laughs> Please. Um yeah, but anyway, yeah, like do that. We might, you know, we'll we'll give you a shout out and we'll you know, let other people know. Anyway, um, the next episode is called Bad Reputation. So, oh my god, we'll be I back. Was, like with when that. when we were gonna record this episode, I was like, it's for Bad Reputation, right? No, it's not. <laughs> I'm just excited to do that one. Yes, we had to get through this fucking one first. Yep, as is the story with Glee. Um, so in the meantime, we'll be back next week with Bad Reputation, which is a banger of an episode so it's very good tune in for that um but until then i've been sam and i've been maggie and we hate glee from the top
Ta-ta-ta-ta-ta.